You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for choosing us. Helena Starr is your guide this week as we listen in on her conversation with Nat Maddox, founder of the House Gospel Choir. That's how the sets actually started out. We'd always introduce what year the record came out and um, who was singing it. You can get a history lesson, have a rave and have an amazing time and no one's lost anything, you know, like we can elevate the artist. The idea to put her own take on combining house music with the gospel choir came to Nat on a dance floor in 2011. Nat is the driving force behind the 150-piece choir, utilising her experience as a tour manager to elevate the idea in phenomenal ways. And they are currently celebrating the release of their debut album, Required. In this conversation, you'll hear Helena and Nat speak about studying anthropology, the choir's first Glastonbury, and about managing 50 singers all at the same time on Zoom as the choir have adapted rehearsals during the pandemic. I hope that you have a wonderful listen to Nat Maddox on RA's Exchange. Hello, you are listening to the RA Exchange with myself, Helena Starr, and today with me, I have the wonderful Nat Maddox of the House Gospel Choir. Hello, Nat, how are you? Hi, Helena, I'm doing really well, thank you. Good. Thanks for having me. Oh, an absolute pleasure to be speaking with you. Um, I guess it's always a place I start off, but how has the past year been for you? What has given you comfort, guidance in this time? <laughs> Mm, music I think like yeah music and the fact that people are listening to the music we put out has really uh comforted me definitely Um, yeah and my friends you know my friends and my family Mm. have been like a massive support I don't know what else to say and obviously that includes the choir they are my friends and my family too that's I feel like that actually comes across in the performances you you guys obviously love being around each other um, we do actually, for the most part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mostly. <laughs> so, I mean, I was going to say, has that been difficult being away from your kind of your extended family over this time? Yeah. No, it really has because we um, rehearse every Monday, or we have done for the last six years. Obviously, the last wow. year has been a bit difficult. Uh, April makes seven years actually. Amazing. Um, so yeah, so we're used to seeing each other a lot. Um, probably more than we see our own friends and family sometimes and then when we're touring and in the studio it's like yeah we're around each other a lot so it was, it was pretty tough yeah. um, at first but fortunately we're getting to do some sessions again now that's brilliant um, yeah yeah so covid secure we're doing all the testing and you know changing mics and not swapping headphones and things like that so yes yeah, it's, it's working out that's cool and I know that you've been doing some zoom sessions um and how many people had you managed to get onto a zoom doing a session oh gosh about about 50 wow I think is the most we've had on yeah on a zoom you um, must be a pro it, at it now uh we know we know how to manage sound in zoom quite well actually you hook up the interface and kind of yeah get your mic involved and your keyboard but the, the latency means that we cannot all sing at the same time so um That's that true. that was tricky but uh 
we um, started using this app called Acapella. Um, yeah, we, te- we, te- we tested loads of things, man. We, we tried to sing on House Party first. Ooh. That was the first one. <laughs> yeah, that was a mess. Uh, then we went over to Zoom and we tried Google Duo. Um, and then we found this app where we, we don't get to sing simultaneously, but mm. the end result is you get a, a, a video of the choir singing and performing together. So that's brilliant. those have done really well. So, so you record your section and then yeah. put it all together, stitch it together. And it... Exactly. So we rehearse it on Zoom, um, learn the parts, and then everyone gets sent um, like a link and you record your bit and it goes back to our musical director, Harrison, who is a G and just stitches it all together. I'm not sure how he does that bit. That's where I, that's where I sign off. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been working really well. So it's nice to have been creative still in this time. Yeah, big time. And and because we obviously, as most choirs do, sing other people's songs, mm. um, we are, we're not a church choir, so we sing house tunes, essentially, which I'm sure you know. Uh, so during lockdown, the songs that we love and the songs we've been singing for years, we were just like, let's just ask Crystal Waters if she'll sing with us and see nice. what she says. And she said yes, and as did Beverly Knight and Barbara Tucker oh. and Ultra Nate and uh, goodness me, I can't even. The leading and Dwayne women. Harding, yeah, and Dwayne Harding. We've got a couple Incredible. of guys in there as well. So um, and Becky Hill did one with us end of last year as well. So um, yeah, it's been a great way to stay connected with each other, but also just with the wider music industry. People are a lot more open to collaborating um, because they can. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. And for them as well, probably finding something like what you guys do would be an amazing experience. Like, yeah, I hope being on so. Stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope so because we're doing like we don't like we we don't re- remix people's songs. We require them because it's like there's the the original is still necessary. It's still the one that's going to get you off on your feet, mm. you know. Um, but when we all sing it together in harmony, it's just a different different take on it. So yeah, so we require 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 yeah. And that's the name of the album, Required. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, a, it's a, like little double entendre, it's Require and it's Required. required. Yes, because it's Required Listening um, and it's good for you. It you know? is, <laughs> it is Required Listening, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and that's actually quite a good way to actually jump into one of my first questions. Um, what music was required for you growing up? Was there, I always find this like such an interesting question. What, what did you hear in your home? What were the sounds? Gosh, um, <laughs> it's really varied, you know, like my brother, my brother was into like lots of Motown and, and band music generally. So it would be like Stevie Wonder and uh, Level 42 even coming out of one room. Um, nice. My sister was really into Bross and Pet Shop Boys uh in the 80s so yeah so a lot of like pop yeah (laughs) very very pop top of the pops coming out of that room and then downstairs my brother was like hip-hop and drum and bass so that was coming up through the floor and actually that's the room I gravitated towards the most I think because it was the most exciting Mm. to me um and then my mum uh my family's from Jamaica so like sound system culture and reggae and lovers rock features really heavily in um in our family parties and just in our home generally and some country and western a lot a lot of um a lot of jim reeves got played on a sunday Amazing. alongside the gospel so yeah it was a really uh 
eclectic sound in my house, I'd say. That's quite a, a common thing for Caribbean families, really, being really into country music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. It, and I'm not sure, like, where it starts or, like, how it gets there. But even if you listen to certain Lovers Rock, there's this, yeah. there's, a, there's a country, like, twist to... Mm. It's like soul... R&B, reggae and country and it's like okay I get it I get I guess like country kind of comes from like blues right and it does it does it all translates and I think I think actually a lot of like gospel that is sung Mm. or like church music that's sung in in um in Jamaica it kind of came up through southern um like country and western like vibes yeah generally so if even if you listen to the the vocal arrangements and the harmonies on the way they used to sing things it's the version they had was not necessarily you know the mississippi mass choir it might have been i don't know what what kind of barnyard <laughs> <laughs> no, no disrespect but it's it's definitely in there so it's just yeah it's, and it's, it's a wicked like yeah yeah so all of that together um just kind of just set things off in my head and yeah. I just I just love everything to be fair and did you start singing from an early age as well um I'd say I'd say yes um <laughs> I, I, I yes. enjoy yeah I enjoyed <laughs> singing a lot as a kid um but I was very uh I'd say to myself I, I grew up with six brothers and sisters so and I for a significant portion of my childhood I just wished I was an only child because <laughs> No, because like no one always wants salt and vinegar crisps, you know, that was all that was like, like just little dumb things. And you're just like, wow, like having brothers and sisters is a bit, bit I wish I was only child so I could get crisps. <laughs> yeah, ready sorted anything, you know. But that's that's, that's so what, good. yeah, no, it's true. Um, so yeah, so it, um, what was the question? Sorry, I kind of slipped back. <laughs> We're talking about. Oh, sing! When did I start singing? I, I even forgot. I was like, no. Yeah, singing. no. You asked singing. me about like singing. Um, so yeah. I I started going to Sunday school, um, Pentecostal Sunday school when I was about mm. one or two. Um, so I grew up on the Sundays listening to gospel singing and gospel sounds. So I'd come home and try and sing those songs, and um, yeah, eventually I was like, oh, I quite like the way that sounds. It sounds like something I yeah I like, but more importantly, it just made me feel happy. I don't know, like, and so the first songs I really started singing were like really bait, um, Sunday school <laughs> gospel that's songs nice like though. Father Abraham, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but that's how I learned to sing. My family weren't impressed, but they weren't impressed because they you were, were singing all impressed. the time, or I, they just—I just think they just wanted some peace and quiet. Like you've got to imagine, my house was quite noisy as well, and then there's me with headphones on singing. I don't know. I will always love you. <laughs> at the top of my lungs like they were not they just yeah they weren't impressed for a long time and had you known that you wanted to work or be in music from a young age as well did that come later um I I actually just liked writing that was mostly my thing I was really into writing stories and poems and eventually like really shitty love songs um (laughs) uh yeah and then so I was just like oh I'll sing the songs I've written um so I just was really keen to write but I was, um, uh, yeah, I was more into like, I'd say, yeah, the the writing and reading mm. was like my big thing. And um, but for a long time, I wanted to be an anthropologist. So an anthropologist, um, what what kind yeah. of spurred that on? Um, I read Zora Neale Hurston's biography when I was twelve or thirteen. I got it from the library, and I was just like, wow. And then I read Their Eyes Are Watching God, and she's traditionally kind of thought of as the first African American. Uh, anthropologist um, through her work yeah so I was just like I didn't know what that word meant Mm. and then I kind of got a bit of an understanding of how it's a study of like society and Mm. and organization and 
politics and history and economics and all these things that I'm just really driven by. So um, I did actually end up studying anthropology. And um, I think on some level it does feature in my work, like how you keep a group together, mm. which is not easy. Um, I'm sure I'm using some of that knowledge and some of that student debt is going to <laughs> good use. Good use <laughs> mani- yeah, managing this choir. Well, actually, yeah. I was going to mention, I think I read somewhere that you were a tour manager at a point as well. And yeah. I was going to ask you if that job, which I know can be super full on, has helped you with experience in managing a large group of people, <laughs> keeping them Absolutely. all in line, especially musicians. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, like, no doubt about it. I think... Um, what's so interesting is I've, I've had loads of jobs, <laughs> lot of jobs. Really? And they all, yeah, and they all feature in what I do now, nice. um, whether that's customer service or tour management or music production or songwriting mm. or theatre work. I've always been involved in the arts in some way. Um, so yeah, it all comes to pass. So it's one thing I always say, especially to like my younger friends or younger members of the choir that are like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I'm like, <laughs> just wait, just wait, because I didn't know what I wanted to do until quite a bit later. And everything I've done um, feeds into everything I'm doing now. So yeah, none of it's wasted. And, and you mentioned about you doing anthropology and and also like you said about kind of understanding society and what what it comes to play and like you said that does translate in your work and yes. I know your mission statement is about inclusivity, um, respecting the origins of um, house music even absolutely championing women's voices which mm-hmm. is is so prevalent and it's really amazing to see that um, we and we know it's an important message but I wanted to find out a bit from you what that means to you oh goodness um I think it starts with with like when I started going raving so I'm I started I mean I went to my first rave without my parents or without like a family yeah when I was about <laughs> maybe 12 or 13 wow um, yeah no Amazing. I know I know Where was it, it? Was, it, it wasn't under 18s in fairness nice <laughs> um and it was an all day on an estate um around the corner um which just was just amazing um, and then my second rave was at, uh, what was the club? It's a club in Croydon called Blue Orchid, I think. Um, and it was a night called Juice, which was like the wickedest under 18s. Um, so cool. And it was everything. You remember when mm. raving was like, you'd go in and it was jungle, it was garage, it was bashment. Different it room. Yeah. R&B. Yeah. And, and no, but the same DJ would be playing all oh, of these nice. sounds. And it's just, um, and I just fell in love with that. But I was hearing all these new tunes, all this new music that was new. Mm. And I had no idea who sung my favourite songs. You know, I, yeah. I didn't know who these women were. I didn't know who these men were. I didn't know who the producers were. So um, I made friends with DJs and I just sing the bits of the song I remembered at them. Oh, and nice. I'm sure they hated it. But um, <laughs> And I, I do the same thing. There's a, a record shop in Brixton called Red Records. And I'd go in there and and just sing little hooks to them, like who sings beautiful people. Um, and but you, I couldn't find any information on those artists. They weren't necessarily like the stars of the song. Um, and I always thought that was strange, you know, mm. that that this is the bit that I love um, about this record, and I don't know anything about these artists. So it took a long time to really get that background and that information and know who Lolita Holloway is and who Barbara Tucker is and who Candy Staten is like as as vocalists and as artists um Mm. and then you kind of start to understand that they're kind of deliberately left out of the narrative yeah and 
you wonder why and uh, you look at the history and you understand like how music uh, kind of moves away from its origins when it's mm. um, I suppose capitalized on in a way you know when it becomes a about the money the money making um, machine yeah 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 so I think for me um, it was it was that and I remember watching a, an old Rodigan set where he because you know his his sets are like history lessons yeah, where amazing. He, he, you know, and he, he's like chatting and he'll tell you, yes, man, this dub from 1967 <laughs> and Super Cat. And you're like, wow, like that, that you can get a history yeah. lesson, have a rave and have an amazing time. Mm. And no one's lost anything, you know, like we can elevate the artist. And um, so that's how the sets actually started out. We'd always introduce what year the record came out and really um, that's singing so it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really like hard that. to do. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that that's. It's a big thing for me. It's super important. And like you said, yeah. I feel like even today, a lot of people don't know who the singers are on records like MJ yeah. Cole, Elizabeth Troy, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and it's um, important. And I think that that will keep going on. Um, yeah. But I think it's great that so many people are like, so many women are just like, no, actually, that's my voice. Um, you know, Kelly Lee is incredible. Like you mentioned, Elizabeth Troy, you've got yeah. Nana. Um, there's just all these amazing, especially British um soulful singers that, who never got their their shine um mm. in that moment but it's kind of it's changing now and it's it's nice to see it and is. to be part of that that wave of people like just shouting about it I suppose and, and singing it loud and singing about it yes <laughs> yes yes and I wanted Absolutely. I wanted to speak a bit more about raving because I know mm-hmm. that that is again something which is very important to you and yes I read again, that was where your idea for the choir was formed, which I feel like Mm. is such a beautiful idea anyway. It feels quite a spiritual thing being in a club. Um, So could you tell us a bit more about that night, that experience? Um, Gosh, um, I think it was an idea because I, I was working in music. I was working in music education and tour management and I hadn't, sung or made music for so long and I was just a bit I was just getting a bit down because mm. I think the reason I gravitated to, after uni grad, gravitated to working in music because I was just I wanted to make it but yeah. I also wanted to understand how the industry works a bit better um, and the more I did it the less I sang so um, I, I hit the, there was a producer called Bopstar um, and he had this tune called Captured with Zara McFarlane and I was just like this tune is just life I think it was on Restless Soul and um yeah she's just wicked and I mm. so I just sent him an email I was like oh if you're ever looking for a singer I'd I'd love to sing on one of your records and he was like yeah right oh, then. wow cool <laughs> so he had this song called Selfish Skies uh and I went and recorded it and he was doing a trip to South Africa mm. um and asked me if I wanted to come and perform it I was like oh amazing <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to. That would be great. Um, I'll say so yes. one of my yeah, one of my best mates, Natasha, came with me at the time. Um, she sadly passed away a few years ago. So oh, it makes this this whole experience yeah. like even more beautiful mm. in a way. And um, but when we got to South Africa, people we were in Johannesburg and, and we were doing all these clubs. But people really knew this song. It was on the radio like every day, and. Um, everyone was singing it back in to me when I was performing. Yeah, and That's I was just incredible. like, guys, no one in Brixton knows this song. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just mad. So um, wow. there's a song called Selfish Skies and um, At Jazz did this remix that was just, 
just, yeah, just moving people. Really? And I remember performing it and um, kind of sitting back for the rest of QB and at Jazz's set and just mm. looking out in the audience and just thinking, man, this feeling, mm. I just that's how I want to feel all the time not even the performance element of it I just want to be in that crowd yeah and to me as the night went on and um I probably had drunk quite a few vodkas <laughs> by this point it sounded like completely harmonious to me and just like a choir mm. and being on that dance floor and being that free in a way that I hadn't been in London in a long time because London clubs just I don't know they just were starting to get a bit weird and just not as fun yeah um, losing that element of like yeah. the, the fun and like you said like people singing along to tracks yes which... exactly like no posing yeah. and, and we were going through a really weird phase here where like and I loved dubstep mm. but everyone would just stand there and look at the DJ and I'm like bro like this is skanking music Such what are you thing. are you crazy yeah. <laughs> you know um uh so yeah so here was cool like you'd have a couple of really good nights and um but that night in jo- Joburg was just um yeah, I, I don't know. It was like, and I remember the feeling. It's a, it's a club called House 22 and it's an old, um, like, tenement yard. Oh, so it's wow. Old, it's old housing, but that's, like, a few houses that have been, like, knocked together yeah. with an open air bit. And that sounds so incredible. you're under the stars. It really was. And, like, it's not, it's not like, fancy. It's just yeah. proper, like, it's just ends, <laughs> you know, in, <laughs> in Pretoria. And it's just, yeah, it was just everything. And I was just like, I want to come back to London and feel like that once mm. a week not even for performance sake but just to be in a room with people doing that um feeling those vibrations that yes, is a big thing with yeah. choir right yeah absolutely because it did sound like a choir to me that night mm. um whether it did or not is still up for debate and I think the only person that could corroborate the story is Natasha and sadly she's no longer here but yeah. um to me to both of us and she was like she was like my biggest cheerleader she's like yeah do it man do it I'll come love so, her um when I came back I just said to a few people do you want to do you want to meet up and just sing some house tunes um and they were like yeah please and after that that first rehearsal about 12 of my mates came wow and we learned we learned the harmonies to beautiful people by Barbara Tucker and then just played tunes and had a little rave in in this little boxy rehearsal Incredible. space in Stratford um and it was a Monday night so it was mm. literally the start of the week um and we all had to get to work the next day so did you just come away from just that wicked. feeling just so full and like yeah. this is something special that we've got Absolutely. to keep doing? Absolutely. And then um, I was I was doing some work as part of my like event producer role. I was doing some work on the Olympic Park. Yeah. And um, one of the directors of the company I was working for was like, oh, this um, <laughs> Glastonbury are looking for a choir for the Sunday slot. And I was like, oh, wicked. Yeah. I I, and he was like, can you recommend? Yeah, exactly. It's like, can you recommend someone? I was like, I, I know quite a few choirs, yeah. Um, do you think they'll be interested in one that does house music? And it's like, I'm sure they'll take anything at this point because it was quite late in the day Wow. Um, to still be doing the bookings. Um, so, yeah, so I secured our first gig before our second rehearsal. And I was like, um, and, and the gig is Glastonbury on the Sunday. And I'm like, shit, shit, shit. Okay. How was so, that? I was shook but I was like well I've already told them that we're good so we better be good um and fortunately like all of my mates in that room could sing and um one of my mates from uni is Funk Butcher so he was our DJ oh wicked and uh so he was there like and we were just like desperately trying to chop samples out of songs to make (laughs) <laughs> like just arrangements and it I was bet it was did it though that's he genius. did he yeah. did he's, he's a g he's a g 
Um, and then I'd been to so many raves where I'd seen Desi Bongo playing percussion. I was like, I want that feeling. I want it to feel like a proper... As much as it's a choir, mm. I still want it to feel like a club. Mm. And I want wanted the set to feel like a DJ mix um, from beginning to end. And that's what we ended up with. It was a 90-minute show um, with like all of my favourite house tunes and a few gospel numbers thrown in because it was Sunday. And uh, yeah, we made it work. Um, I bet you did. And yeah, I, we did. And after <laughs> that, again, like after that, when you guys were like, okay, we've done Glastonbury now. That was our first... Yes. That was our first gig. That was your first gig. Mad. That's incredible. Mad. Yeah. Um, what yeah. was the kind of journey like after that? Was it just you just rehearsing more and having more fun with it? Uh, I think that's when it got serious to me. As as we mm. were planning Glastonbury, because um, at that point as well, I mean, we, we got paid for it, but um, so much of it was like my salary from um, what I was doing. Yeah. Just paying for rehearsal space and paying for minivans, minibuses. And, yeah. you know, it was it was hard work, man um but I was just like I I think there's something here and I was just just really committed to this feeling of making sure that the audience felt how I felt that night in Joburg Mm. and I was just like the best place to do that then is outdoors at festivals so I just got it into my head I want to do the Sunday morning slot at lots of festivals (laughs) like when people are a bit monged out or just like waking up a bit of gospel to wake you up yeah I think so a bit of house bit of gospel keep the party going (laughs) And uh, yeah, that's what we did. Um, and then as part of that, it was it became about recording some of the tracks, yeah. So that um, we we had like a some people could still have house gospel choir without thirty people physically being in front of them. And yeah, we just kept going from there. I love that. And, and today you you work with, I mean you you work with such a plethora of artists. Mm. Todd Terry, Adelphi Music Factory had yeah. the Blessed Madonna roll through to the mass choir. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and also you have just incredible like selectors and people like you said helping mm. out with writing and stuff like that. Yeah. How has that aspect of your journey been? And how has it been working with some of I mean some of the the greats? You're with them yeah. now. It's wicked. It, it's mad. I I, I like because these are like literally my favorite producers i've got dj spen on the album yeah i've got a charisma remix coming out on friday <gasps> have you um, really yeah <laughs> yeah like yeah it's just like so these are my mind just keeps getting blown and yeah. um i'm i'm not even sure like how things happen <laughs> but we i sat down with my manager um who's an amazing um woman called Laura who was in the choir actually she's one of the altos oh, nice. and she just like everyone that does stuff within house gospel choir or mm. for house gospel choir has been part of the journey in some way um or I know them from a different part that's of really cool my career or my journey um so we sat down when we were making the, the album before we so we done the deal with island records mm. um and we sat down and made a list of producers like who would we want to produce this album overall and we were like a bit like, oh, it's a lot of it's a lot of guys, isn't it? It's a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of men. Like, can we not find some female producers as well? Um, and at the time, we couldn't. It was this is going back three, four years now. Yeah. Um, it's not to say they didn't exist. It's just that we For didn't sure. have the access to them. Mm. So we had like a list of people we'd love to work with. Todd Terry was on that list, obviously. Spen was on that list. Um, uh, Alex Metric was on that list, and Adelphi Music Factory kind of came about through our A&R so mm. there was all these great things and um Laura Laura just said to me 
you know, I think you could produce this album. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not I'm not a producer. She was like, well, I think you are. I think that's what you've been doing for the past yeah. five years. And I was like, oh, you think so? And she was like, yeah, OK. <laughs> so, like, yeah. So I became a producer. That's to incredible. To put this album together. Um, and just really understanding what that even means. Yeah. Um, because so many people are like, well, it has to be. I always thought producers were men and, a, a, you know, a wrong assumption on my part. I think that's um, quite a wide, wider Yeah, view. it's just, mm. you know, girls sing and rave and the, the guys DJ mm-hmm. and and I just, that's what I grew up seeing. Yeah. So um, it was like a, a bit of a shift, but I, I went and w- went away and read up about like how different producers do their stuff. And, you know, Puff Daddy's not playing every hi-hat and snare. Quincy Jones is an arranger, you know, and it's just like, oh, okay. So it's as much about putting the right people in the room to make a sound. Yes, Mm. absolutely. And House Gospel Choir is a team and I lead that team. So um, that's how we produce the album. And very, very fortunate to work with, like I said, like I keep mentioning, (laughs) Sven. (laughs) Sven Yeah, yeah. And just, and I can't, like, those things happen backstage at like I met Spen's manager backstage at uh, Southport Weekender Festival and I met Todd Terry at uh, the IB for Music Summit nice um, yeah we just like oh when did you go to that I think uh, I was what there. year was that <laughs> Se- 17 or 18 2018 I I maybe yeah <laughs> that's quite a good year actually really um, good year that's brilliant yeah yeah so sometimes you just got to be brave man you just got to ask yeah. a question and uh, the way things have happened is it's just been really blessed, you know. Um, and I guess it's very organic, like you said, you're just meeting mm. these people out touring, yeah. out like in the clubs as well. It's yeah, the kind of best yeah. place to meet them, right? Yeah, I think so. And and then they get a chance to see what we do. And I yeah. I really wanted to re-record or do a version of Wookie um, Battle because we we'd been singing it in our set for <laughs> since the beginning. Yeah, and he saw us at Southport Weekender. Um, and I couldn't get a contact for him, but he saw us at Southport Weekender. And um, I can't remember whether our A&R reached out to him or he reached out to them. But yeah, and then it happened. And I'm, you know, three months later sitting in the studio. Wow. And Wookie's doing a brand new production for us of this tune that I've been raving to for eh, 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> I think the song's about 20 years old now, you know. I think about all... Yeah, I think, yeah, it, about I think it is 20 yeah, years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, it's just it's just been very blessed journey so sometimes write a list and see what you can make happen i like, like just put down your wildest dreams and see see how how far you can take it that's good advice um, and i think like, yeah like you said like going out and just speaking to people meeting people yes. the worst someone can say is no yeah exactly exactly and, and some people did say no or mm. not yet or you know um the one person I, I really wanted to work with um was louis vega um because there's a there's a tune called uh you brought the sunshine it's on the elements of life um, amazing album. track yeah it's wicked <laughs> you know Kim Mizell yeah. and it's oh. just sick so um yeah we, we couldn't get that to happen in time but I I just woke up one day and this is gonna sound mad yeah like last year I just really wanted to go to New York in January and I didn't have anyone to go with I just felt like that's where I need to go yeah and I went to New York and there was a lady who had seen us perform here at um we do a thing called Sunday Branch at mm. the Red Rooster in Shoreditch yeah and her name's Vivian, uh, Vivian Green. No, Vivian, 
Her name's Vivian. I'll get her last name for you. I'm so sorry. Vivian. Vivian. We'll why that why Vivian? Yeah, why has <laughs> Vivian's last name left my brain? That's really bad. Um, but she, uh, she, she was just like, I really love what you guys do. Like, let's catch up when you're here. And she brought me to this Louis Vega rave um, on my second night there. And wow. I'm, I'm in the DJ booth raving with Louis Vega. It was wow. mad. And then a couple of days later, she said to me, oh, you know, he's going to be in London doing his South Bank show and he's up for having a choir. And I was like, babes, can we do Hello. <laughs> so, you need a choir? Yeah. I've got one. <laughs> I've got, do you know what? I've got a choir. I've got a choir. And we know Stand on the Word. So, um, yeah, so we got to perform with Louis. I went to their rehearsal there. And um, when they came to London, we we did the show. And it's just like, nah, man, this is like, I don't know. I don't I don't know exactly how everything happens and I'm all right not to know how everything happens. I'll just work hard with everything that comes my way. You were just um, you were drawn to New York for a reason then. Yeah, kind of absolutely. Like absolutely. Mm. And and yeah, and and that I went raving with Todd Terry while I was there. It was just mad like mm. just this girl from Brixton's just like cool. I'm going to do these things and I made up my mind and I'm doing them. Um and it sounds like an oversimplification because I'll be honest, I don't sleep that much. Really? Um, Are you no, I don't. Eternal? I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I work. I work really, really hard yeah. to get things done. Um, and it pays off. Shows. Clearly, it does. It does. Mm. So I, I want. I don't want anyone to give yourself being, props oh. for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I work proper, proper hard, man. And Love my that. friends and family will tell you. That too. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and talking about that drawing, kind of that. I don't know. That spiritual element. Mm. Um, I guess this is probably a question that you find quite often people asking you about faith and and religion when it comes to like the meaning of choir and your choir yeah. um what what's your kind of what's your outlook on it and what do you say to that uh, to me your faith your personal belief in god or you know um whatever it is it's personal mm. it's personal it's your relationship with whatever you understand mm. um to be a higher force or not there's lots of people that don't believe in god i personally do mm. um uh, and I, that and I, I like i come in and out of that relationship because mm. i like i said i went to pentecostal sunday school from the age of one or from two one yeah yeah i was at a church of england primary school a catholic secondary school and it's all the bible right and it's all christianity yeah. but it was all quite different approaches yeah so i got to about 16 I was like do you know what I'm not going to church because I want to go raving on Saturday night and I'm not waking up to go to church I'm I'm so that that was it you know yeah. so I still had that foundation that's where I'd come from but for mm. a long time I didn't go to church I didn't have conversations about God um and I think a lot of people that I know anyway have felt the same mm. and quite a few of my friends who are part of the LGBTQ community um, would have grown up in grew up in church as well and at some point didn't yeah. feel like they fit in there um, and people have had different experiences that make them feel like that's not necessarily the best place or the safest space for them to explore for sure their personal relationship with God or spirit mm. or whatever you want to call it or the universe um, uh, so I think with House Gospel Choir I'm just having a conversation and um and it's it's like a conversation that's missing from the mainstream often, yeah. uh, and it's still valid. You know, I know we've we've gone from being like a quite a religious country mm. to being very secular, mm. um, but there's a huge, you know, religious population here. Um, mm. 
I don't necessarily consider myself hugely religious because I think religion is about doing something religiously, having a practice and having a practice to your faith. But I think the starting point is just your personal relationship Mm. with what you believe. And And spirituality, right? Yeah, Yeah. and spirituality Mm. more broadly. And, you know, we get people coming to our shows like drunk off their faces like as you should be because you're at a rave <laughs> yeah. um, and then we'll sing a song and they're barling and you're like, why are you crying, babes? And you're like, I don't know. I just feel something. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, and, and you can feel that thing whether mm. you're listening to a gospel choir or just listening to your favourite tune or you're, you're in a field at a festival. Like those feelings are there. Yeah. And I just think we owe it to ourselves to have a conversation about them. And I think House Gospel Choir um, just helps facilitate that conversation. It's not here to tell you what to do, what to believe. Um, it's just saying actually we can all share space whilst we're talking about it definitely and um yeah it's it's working so far not for everybody some people are a bit like i thought you said gospel jesus wouldn't approve of that short skirt <laughs> jesus don't like sequins i don't sequins. know like, i don't know i don't know i don't know we had a lot of like, in the Bible, jesus doesn't like sequins. yeah jesus doesn't like sequins <laughs> jesus doesn't like this jesus doesn't like that you know it's not in the scripture i yeah. i don't i don't know i'm not here to tell anyone i just think just have the conversation yeah. And I think so much of those conversations only come up when you're high or you're having some <laughs> kind of existential crisis yeah. or you stub your toe and you're like, oh God, do you know what I mean? Like, you believe in God, man, don't try it. You believe in God. You said it. In those- yeah, yeah, I heard you. I heard you. Let's talk about it. So, yeah, yeah, I like that. And even, I think, when we talk about a church or gospel, I mean, you'll probably be able to quote this correctly, but Frankie Knuckles describing a church. Churches, yeah house clubs being a church yeah. you know yeah. and, and yeah. i love that kind of interlinking of of gospel i mean if yeah. you look at the roots of a lot of music again like we were saying it's 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 like religious music it's it's yeah. gospel and mm. house music definitely has transcended from yeah. that um and also I, I i saw you mentioning the idea of negro spiritualism and also sound mm. systems which he- heavily plays in your in your productions um yeah what was your um, introduction to this idea or feeling? I feel like you've kind of just touched on it, but did, was it being in that club when you were listening to music and you felt that kind of spiritual wave over you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't, I, and I don't know many people that can describe it in words, but it's like people just say it's a feeling. Mm. And that's, and, and I think house music is house the is perfect, yeah, house is a feeling and it's just, one of those spaces because my experience of it is as much as there is definitely like politics of being in certain spaces or certain clubs or having access to certain styles of dance music Mm -hmm. um for different groups of people the the best nights out i've had have been everybody all different races all different sexual orientations all different you know just outlooks sharing Mm. this space and and that being able to be around anybody and still feel this transcendence, this personal connection, this this higher feeling. Yeah. And 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 for me, it's like however you get there. Like lots of people, you know, it's, it's club culture. There's drug culture. There's there's drinking. There's all this other stuff. I personally, when I first started raving, I didn't have money to drink. Mm. So I know that that feeling actually did come from the music. Of course. I mean, now I definitely need a few to <laughs> to. I don't know. Like I don't know. You get a bit older and you you like to keep going easy or to, just yeah yes. just to get into it sometimes <laughs> um but when I was younger like we I'd dance at, I'd rave at Coliseum from all night all night 10 till 6 a.m that's it no just water 
Mm. Do you know what I mean? Water mm. and vibes. And you'd feel, <laughs> you'd feel you'd feel that feeling. Um and I, you know, I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's something happens when the bass line Ooh. drops and that favourite part of your song. And, and I think, I just don't, oh, I can't explain it. I know. I oh, can't explain don't you it. miss it? Like we're talking yeah, about it now. I do, I do, I do. <laughs> do you know what? And there's certain clubs and certain sound systems that just elevate that feeling. Like, and that's, that's the thing. Like, I love the, the sound at ministry oh. when you're in the box and you're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is the best feeling in the world. And it I love, really um. Eden. Yeah, what other clubs do you love in London or in the UK? Oh gosh, so for me right now, it's I, I don't even go raving in London. You know, it's it's kind of sad. Um, Is there anywhere you do go if you go out? Um, Maybe not in London. Ibiza. Ibiza. <laughs> I'll be uh, yeah. I'll be honest like, because because for the last few years, most of my raving tends to happen on stage. Yeah, um, it is a rave. We do have to work out mm. and train to be able to do this show. It's I believe minutes. it. Yeah, it's ninety minutes of jumping around and yeah. singing in tune. It's a bit peak. Um, <laughs> so us we, we're like, wow, they look so easy. And you're on stage, like, Jesus. No, we train. We train energy. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's so that's where a lot of my raving takes place. I won't even lie. And our rehearsals are still that thing. Like I started it to just be a rave every Monday because nice. um, we couldn't always have that. So now, mm. like, if I show you footage of our rehearsal, you'd be like, these people aren't serious. <laughs> These are, these are not serious people because our DJ will play a mix. He'll be like, right, so we're going to go from this song to this song like yeah. this. And we'll be like, are you insane? And then it just turns into <gasps> just dancing instead of focusing. And then, <laughs> we, you know, cool you've got to like get used to it. You've got to know the track. Yeah, first, yeah? yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. You've got to feel it. You've got to feel that, that bass line drop and all of that. But um, yeah, so I, I, I love... Here I love ministry and yeah. um, I'll be honest, my house parties, they slap. They're the best things. Look, don't um, tell everyone. Yeah. Everyone's going to want to come. I'm not going to tell everyone. <laughs> one, one day I'll have a big enough house and more people Please. can come. But um, yeah, since I was at uni, I throw pretty good house parties. Love um, that. And I've got some really good mates that DJ and give me selections and it's just vibes, man. So, um, but yeah, I tend to save my raving up for when I leave London. That sounds a bit sad. But, um, no, I get it. I feel like I've yeah. I mean, it's not exactly a bad place to be going raving. It's not. It's not at all. It's not at all. I love. I love the toilets at Eden. That sounds so sad. But you know, toilets are just, one of the main yeah, events. Yeah, it is. I love that bit. Um, and to be fair, there's a club in uh, in New York called Battle Him. That's just Ooh, sick. I don't I know just, about it. It's so good. Really? It's so yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it just feels old it? school. Oh. You know. It's in Manhattan. Okay, cool. It's in Manhattan. It's not. It's in the center. So I'm noting it down. I'm noting yeah, it down. Yeah, please, like do it. There's, <laughs> so there's a couple of places. I'm just going to keep adding to the list. I think that's my my goal is just to see the world through music and just as much as we can keep traveling and sharing this message of like 100%. you know just yeah just remember the roots of this mm. thing and and just tap into it and um, yeah be uplifted. I was literally about to say like the music you guys make is just so uplifting i think it's what ev- everyone especially at the moment needs needs a yeah. dose of it a big yeah. dose of it um do you have a favorite piece from your album is there is there mm. a, a track which every time you're like i mean you probably get this with most of your tracks but is there mm. is there a couple at least <laughs> it's quite hard because they're all, they're all my babies and yeah. i've all been i've been listening to all of them at the moment it is um track of the week um, <laughs> Track, my track of the week is one that is going to be on the special edition um, of the album. So the album came out in October, but we've got a special edition coming yeah. out on the 19th of March with all the remixes. And it's a version of um, 
you ever seen the film Color Purple? I have seen Color the film. Purple. Yes. So so in that film there's a song that she sings called God is Trying. Oh, um, wow. produced by Quincy Jones. <gasps> and we we do it in our set sometimes just as a like just a call and response thing. Oh my god. And we recorded a version that that didn't make it onto the album because the label thought it was a bit too religious or something. I don't know. Um so I was like, right, we're gonna I'm getting this on the album. We will find <laughs> a way because we worked very hard on it. Yeah. And um we worked with um an amazing musical director here called Nikki Brown who mm. has just legacy. UK gospel is a thing. People don't always know like the breadth and depth yeah. of of how um how long those musicians but a lot of the musicians we know especially the black musicians that have been working in pop or mainstream yeah. music all come from that 100 um, mm. that experience so um yeah so nikki brown produced that and uh, it was choir directed by daniel thomas uh and then we got these two remixes so harrison who's our dj our in-house dj sees first like official remix for us oh, and wow. then we got the charisma one so i think i love it because it's the original's there and yeah. it's just a song that I've I've loved since I was a kid. Amazing. Um, and then we've got these two versions of it. So I think it's my favourite because it's a few different songs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. So you've got like, you can listen to it through and through and you've got a, yeah. different, you've got yeah. a couple different tracks. Each exactly. Track. Oh, that's exactly. Great. And there's one other, I'm lying, there's one other. There's a remix to uh, My Zulu that um, a mate of mine, Scratcher DVA, oh. did. Yeah. It's, honestly, <laughs> listen, he's, it he's, he's called it, yeah, 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 it's wicked. I can't wait. It's called wait. the Ancestral, uh, Scratches Ancestral Dub. I cannot it's, wait. Yeah, it makes me so happy. And, I've got goosebumps, um, I'm not joking. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, when I heard it, I was like, what? And, <laughs> yeah, he sent me the demo at like midnight and I was just playing it. And I was like, oh, my neighbours are going to call the police and I'm going to get fined. <laughs> but I, I but didn't like, care, like it just had, no, it has to be played like that, so... I'm looking forward to hearing these tunes actually in the club. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping some some DJs pick up the things, you know. I'm not sure what the pluggers are up to Look, these days because not much clubbing. I'll but... play it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Elena. <laughs> I appreciate I was, that. I was going to ask you what you, you miss most about being on stage, but I feel like, I mean, the, the energy that you guys yeah. have is probably just yeah. like out of this world. It, yeah, it is. But do you know what? Like, when I was designing the show, I wanted the choir, and you'll notice this, like, if you meet the choir or see the choir, mm. everyone looks different. Everyone is different. There's mm. there's all different types of people in that group. And I just wanted the choir to represent the dance floor nice. and remind people that we're all supposed to be sharing space. So oh. for me, there's, like, this unbroken space between the crowd and mm. what's going on on stage. Everyone is encouraged to sing along, dance along, and be part of it. So... I miss that, like, yeah, so much. Oh, oh my gosh, that, I might cry. Like, that, like, I, I feel, honestly, I feel emotional yeah. thinking about it. Oh, like, you got to come. When, we, when we're to. back, mate, you got to, yeah. I'll be there yeah. front and centre. I can't Fantastic. sing, but I'll, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, everyone can sing, you know. Don't get me started. I honestly believe everyone can sing. Not everyone that. is supposed to sing on stage with a microphone. Yeah. But everyone <laughs> is supposed to sing. It's It's a really great way of just improving your mood mm. um tapping into yourself that. connecting with yourself hearing yourself like mm. like the the truth of who you are as a person is it's really really important and um yeah singing singing by yourself is fantastic singing with other people is healing mm. like, it really is so yeah i believe that and do you know yeah. what that's a beautiful place 
to to kind of wrap this up yeah okay cool what what a beautiful conversation thank you so (laughs) much thank you and so you're you've got a track coming out on friday i don't know when this will be released but you've got um which track is coming out the charisma remix of god is trying and then i think i don't i'm not sure when this will be out but uh we've got a remix of everything is love produced by todd terry coming out as well by um a producer called blinky who um is just very very great <laughs> i don't know what else to say he's a really cool guy you, you so, seem to um, be working with the best coming. the best yeah I'm, I'm hoping to just keep going and it's and cool. i think as much as i'm all about elevating the vocalists and and the song like the producers and the djs are the reason we're even here so mm. um i think yeah just give them their props man properly amen and give you your props i mean Ah, thank you honestly amazing (laughs) you guys are wicked and i just can't wait to be back in the clubs and seeing you guys thank you so much elena it's been an absolute pleasure absolute pleasure Thank you for listening to RA's Exchange with Nat Maddox and Helena Starr. We'll have a new episode for you next week. Until then, our full archive is available for you to take in. And if you find something you love, please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts as it helps get our stories to more ears.